Welcome to the Ground Belief audio podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gadsden, and today we have Mark Swanson, who is an associate professor at the University of Missouri in the School of Journalism. And uh, Mark's also the creator of a board game called Feudum. And today we'll be discussing how board games and playing board games can actually enhance your critical thinking skills. The interview with Mark is pretty long, so I'm breaking it up into two 20-minute segments, and this will be part one. So here we go. All right, so I'm talking to my friend Mark Swanson. So, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're pretty new at this, but we're just going to take a crack at this. So, all right, so Mark is a developer of a brand-new board game that's on the market now, or is it still in the development phase, or what? How do you classify? It's coming out any day now. Okay. I swear. And it's called Feudum. Yes. Like feud with a U M on the end. Correct. Feudum. Yeah, it's medieval Latin for fiefdom, a oh. parcel of land granted to you by a king or a lord, and in return you have to pledge your military fidelity to that lord. Ah, okay. That makes sense. So why do we use the word feud for a fight, then? That doesn't seem accurate, then, does it? A feud? Hmm, feud. There might be a similar etymology in that word. I don't know. I have to look it up. Seems like the same root. Feud? Yeah. Family feud? Well, it comes from feudalism. Was your game inspired by Family Feud, the, ga- the game show? No. <laughs> Although I miss Richard Dawson. He was great. So I remember one of the first times I had a conversation with you about games. It was a learning experience for me. So being somewhat of a novice in the realm of board games, and especially Euro games, um, we were talking about some of the more popular games like Settlers of Catan and some of the other games like that, and I thought, um, well, I kind of like those games because, you know, you roll dice and there's an element of chance in the game, and I thought, well, I mean, come on, that's all games have some element of chance, right? There's always some kind of random chancy element to the game, and you said, well, not really. And I said, like what? And you said, chess. And I thought, of course, yes. Chess is pure strategy. I mean, there's nothing but strategy. No luck. No luck. And so, and you liked that idea of, of being able to create a game that wasn't, didn't involve luck. It was pure strategy. Correct. <laughs> Where people are kind of pitting their, their wits against each other yeah, rather correct. than... Correct, correct. I mean, statisticians have reverse-engineered Monopoly, right? That's America's game. And they found it to be 50% luck. So you can wheel and deal and calculate all the price percentage payoffs of every color group yeah, and still lose to your 9-year-old daughter because she rolls better than you. <laughs> uh, and after 2 or 3 or sometimes 4 hours of intellectual investment, it's very unsatisfying to, to lose because of luck, of random chance. And that's why people flip the Monopoly board. Yeah. I've never done that, but yeah. I've heard of people doing that. Luck is the great democratization of the game, right? I mean, in a sense, it, it uh, makes it, that, that way the nine-year-old can win, right? Yes, that's a good way to look at it, I suppose. <laughs> uh, so is there is there really no luck involved in Feudum? Well, no, there's, 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 a smidgen of luck in, involved in a lot of strategic board games, heavier Euros, like you called them. Um, but there's varying degrees of luck. I would say Feudum has 
is is low on the luck factor. It rewards smart resource management and strategy and outwitting, outmaneuvering your opponent, coming up with a be better plan, um, reacting to game circumstances, um, being able to uh, adjust your strategy based on um, circumstance in the game. Yeah. That's all part of it. So, one of the things I've been reading in this book by Daniel Kahneman is that we tend to underestimate the role of luck in our performance. Like, we tend to attribute really, really good performances to, you know, it's completely due to our skill and brilliance. And when we have a really, really bad performance, we tend to say, oh, I'm, I must be really horrible, and I'm just, I'm nothing. Um, and we don't, we don't really incorporate how luck plays into that. And mm -hmm. so when, I mean, in a game like Feudum, I'm just trying to think where the, where the, the luck could sure. be. Sure, oh, I, I can tell you. And, yeah. I can tell you where it is. Well, it, it's not due to the roll of, of, of a die. I say die, not dice, by the way. It's right. Well, a single die, right? Right, a single okay. die, although uh, dictionaries and lexicons are starting to give up, and, and, and they're starting to say that dice can be singular. It's a point of contention for right. a lot of gamers, but I, I will always call it a die. I have Philosophers have this, the same issue with the, the phrase, um, begs the question, right? I don't know if you've heard this, but begging the question is a common fallacious kind of reasoning that is very technically defined in the history of argument and philosophy and now people have totally hijacked that phrase to me begging the question or begs the question means now this really makes you want to ask a certain right, question right. rather and that, that drives me yeah. bananas but I but usage rules and so you know if that's the way people use it so that's I agree so back to the point right the point uh, is the luck of the die. where does the luck come in in Feudum. Well, let's say there are three players in the game, um, and I am maximizing my resources, but player two uh, doesn't, makes a poor move that somehow inadvertently benefits me. Um, well, player three might say, well, that was lucky for me right. that he made a poor move. Yeah. And that's why in an ideal world, you you want to play with other players that have kind of you know matched your intellectual wit because that's a more satisfying game. I mean anybody I mean anybody can play with inexperienced players and 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 win, but do you feel good about that win? Right. You, you only feel good about a win in my in, in my belief system if you've selected worthy opponents. Right. So so the luck could be almost as if like, suppose Feudum eventually was online, right? So suppose you could play online. You, and actually, you actually can. You uh, can already play online? Yeah, there's a, there's a, a, a Russian company called Tabletopia uh, that has a browser-based uh, platform independent uh, world where you can just log on and play it online. So then you would, you would really be playing with a random set of opponents that you have no idea. Well, no, about. actually it's, it's a virtual world, so other players log in and you're actually playing against real people. But you're talking about a robot player. No, 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 real opponents. But see, when you, if you log on, 
Like, because my kids, they love playing Overwatch, right? Right. right. Have you seen Overwatch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they get on, and it says, finding game. And yeah. then you get paired with a bunch of random people. That yeah. You have no idea who you'll be paired right, with. Right, right. Unless you get online with your buddy or whatever. Right? Sure, sure. So you have no idea if you're going to get paired with five brilliant gamers right. or with five morons, right? Right, exactly. So, so, okay, so suppose you're playing Feudum online, then there's a luck of the draw in terms of, sure, of your course. opponents. So of course. You, you could end up getting a moron who you benefit, or somebody else in the game might actually end up benefiting from them making a really bonehead move right. halfway through the game. Right. So there's luck, right? I, you, I mean, and, and that's that's kind of part of gaming. I mean, it happens in, in real life as well. Yeah. Uh, when, when you sit down at a, at a real table, and everyone believes that everyone has a, a worthy opponent, and pretty soon, the the weak link at the table <laughs> um, makes himself herself known, and the other players exchange these knowing glances and. The game is a little bit tainted because this one player is making moves that are that are so bad or so helpful to one person yeah. that it becomes kind of a exercise in futility and, and it, it turns into kind of more of a learning game. Let's just kind of help this player get better. Right. And 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 it, it there's there's no you know finger pointing or, or brow beating in a situation like that. It's just understood that oh right. oh well. We, we have this person at the table, and they right. clearly haven't logged as many games as we have. It's not an elitist right. kind of thing. It's people really seeking out worthy opponents because it's more stimulating now. Yeah, but then, then as we were talking earlier about um, the meta game, right? So when you have that inexperienced now, because this has happened to me, I've come over to your house. You're playing with all these very experienced gamers, and I'm the new new right. sure. a couple times. Sure. And but then the meta game kicks in, and and everybody's like trying to. <laughs> <laughs> to give advice, I'm using my hands to make quotation sure. signs, to give advice sure. to the new guy that is actually going to benefit them right. rather than their opponent. Right. So, so then, you know, it can still be very interesting in how that, how that plays out, right? And it's, that, it's very true. I mean, if, if, you're, if I'm player one, you're player two, and there's a, a third player, uh, player three is going to assess the situation and give you advice that will benefit you to some degree, but also him. I'm going to give you advice that's going to benefit you, but also me. And both could be true. Right. Both could be true. And right. so the question is, can, can I really be uh, objective in the advice that I give right. to you? Um, right. Um, can, can I really be honest about that? I don't, I don't, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. I don't know. So, so when you're developing a game like this, you know, I mean, I know, isn't it, wasn't it... Um, the guy who developed Settlers of Catan, Klaus Tuber. It does, no, it's actually Settlers of Catan, but so Catan. many people say Catan that you can say it really okay. either now way. How do, you, how do you know that it's Catan rather than Catan? Because the know, developer I, I, says I, I, that? I read it somewhere. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I will here henceforth say Catan. <laughs> I actually wish it was Catan. I kinda, uh, Catan rolls better, off. Right? It does. It rolls off the tongue Catan. A little bit better. I mean, it's a, a German guy. I mean, Catan. Klaus Tauber is his Tauber, name. Okay. Uh -huh. Now isn't he like he was a mathematician or something? He, he yeah, he, okay. he, he, he was, and he um, a lot lot of believe it or not a lot of pro prolific German board game developers are mathematicians because there's a fair amount of math in yeah. in, in, in the rule sets of games. But he uh, was featured in an article I don't know about ten years ago by Wired magazine and the and the title was Monopoly Killer. Because more and more in America, on a rainy day, people are reaching for Settlers of Catan, 
not monopoly, which is a pretty big step for yeah. Americans. That's and improvement. The, and the irony here is that <laughs> the people that, that are just learning settlers for the first time, they think it's a pretty complex game. Right. There's multiple paths to victory, there's the longest road, the, the, the largest army, there's different ways right. to, to win, and that just overwhelms Amer right. Americans, which is really odd and, and, and ironic to me. And a little bit outrageous because when Monopoly was first invented, it was turned down by Parker Brothers because, and I quote, it's too complicated. Americans right. won't like it, <laughs> right? But eventually, Americans became familiar with it. They kind of got the idea. And now everyone thinks it's kind of an easy game because there's familiarity to it. Mm -hmm. Settlers of Catan is, is simple. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a gateway game. Right. It's a... It's a it's easy compared yeah. to a lot of the games yeah. that are out there. Yeah, I think it just has to do with how how hard do you want to work your mind? I mean, people yeah. people like crossword puzzles, they like Sudoku. Um, how how hard how how much do you want to think? Yeah. Some people, after a long day, they don't want to. Yeah. Others, they love it. So, okay, so um, all kinds of questions are kind of popping into my head. But the first thing I was thinking is, so you have a, a guy like Klaus Tauber. Tauber. Um, mathematician develops this this game, Settlers of Catan. Mm -hmm. um, so and you come along, you develop this game more complex than Settlers of Catan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're no mathematician, right? Right. You're a journalism, right. advertising guy. Right. Strategic marketing, and um, so how do you, how is it that you can develop a game that's so complex? I mean, don't you need a bunch of mathematical theory mm -hmm. or something to do these things? That's. Uh, that's a great question, and that's what I thought was the truth, and so I felt wholly uh, unqualified to make a game, and I, I was looking anywhere for a little bit of validation that a non-mathematician could make a, make a game and, and do well, and or at least a complex game. And so I remember going to Gen Con in Indianapolis. It's the second largest board game convention in, in the world after Essen uh, in Germany, and uh, I sought out my heroes, uh, and uh, at least three of them happened to be uh, uh, giving a seminar that I signed up for, and I went and I sat in the audience while these, you know, these game designers uh, uh, gave a seminar on game making and fielded questions. And I had, had my help, a hand up the whole time. In, in, in At the front of the room were, were, were greats like... Um, uh, Bruno Fiduti, he's a Frenchman that invented Citadels. It's a great game. Eric Lang, who invented uh, Game of Thrones, the card game, mm -hmm. uh, uh, based on the book and the, and the, and the yeah. now popular television series. And I said to them, I'm no mathematician. However, I've created this game, and I've spent hours working the numbers as the best that I can, do I now hire a mathematician, because I know one, right. um, to reverse engineer my rule set to see if it makes sense mathematically? And their answer surprised me. They said, no. No. I said, why not? And they told me that one of the ways that you can get to the mathematical soundness of the game is by backing into it, by simply, via trial and error, yeah. uh, plotting out people's scores after 
play, many, many, many play tests and finding out whether or not there is balance based on result. So if there's not balance, if one particular strategy yields this score and another yields this score, all you do is increase the point values of the things that you know, this strategy oh, yeah, okay. will just bump them up ever so slightly, maybe an extra point or, or two. Right. And then until, until both strategies pursued equally yield roughly the same uh, result. And that's going to essentially create a mathematically sound game. Okay. Now, and then they said, and even if, it, even if there is a strategy that's a little bit more mathematically sound than another strategy, the essence of German board games is to always target the leader. So if a leader is deploying a strategy that's superior, well, the other people are going to pull that person back. So it's a little bit of a risk to pursue a strategy that's so obviously the winning strategy because yeah. you're going to be targeted more often. So there's yeah. a built-in um, equalizing yeah. uh, effort in, so, in, in so games. Can you tell me what... The superior strategy isn't. No, never mind. I won't ask you to reveal secrets. I've, I've actually secrets there, there's actually you know. four main strategies in, in my game, and um, I um, uh, have play tested the game more than a hundred times. And I would blindly, through blind play tests, I'd give four different people four different strategies, and after two and a half hours of play, everybody was within seven points. This is a game where you can score 150 or more points. Yeah. Everybody's within seven points. Now, I, I, I was so thrilled that you could have that tight a game after so much time with everyone pursuing different strategies. So that's when I knew, yeah. hey, I think I'm close to the math yeah. on this one. Nice. Very nice. So, so it sounds like you took more of a, I guess, what you could call a scientific approach to developing the game rather than a theoretical, mathematical approach. Because it sounds like Tauber... Tauber, Klaus Tauber. Tauber, yeah, I think, I think that's right. You could almost, I mean, you could almost just, without field testing it or play testing at all, you could almost develop the theory of it mathematically and know it would work regardless of having any tests whatsoever. Whereas you said, well, I don't really know, the th I don't have all the theory, let's just play test it and keep tweaking so throw, it until it throw works. Throw stuff up at, on yeah. the wall and see what happens. And if you get a really lopsided result, yeah. make a slight little adjustment and see what happens. And yeah. before you know it, that that uh, that crazy mess on the wall, that ink blot becomes starts to okay. form a picture. Yeah. So yeah. let me ask you this. So one of the things I'm interested in is helping people learn how to think better. Right? Um, do you think playing these complex board games actually helps people develop their thinking and actually helps them become better thinkers? Well, there was a recently a, a, a Forbes article on how to become a better learner, and I think number three or number four was to play strategy board games, believe it or not. Um, like Monopoly. No, actually, the two games that were mentioned, <laughs> and I'm not kidding, were Settlers of Catan and Feudum. No, yeah, you're no, kidding seriously, me. I was in Forbes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I happen to know the guy who wrote the Forbes article, and he asked me uh, whether he, he, he emailed me and, and asked me my ad advice on, on... What games would be best in helping people develop? <laughs> right. You know, well, there's this new game called Feudum that I've heard of. I actually did a lot of research for him, and I gave him lots of research, and so he felt he owed me one. But um, uh, he, he, his research sh showed that, yes, uh, playing board games helps you become a more 
strategic thinker and a better learner. I, I think I think it kind of depends on the game. Um, in game, lots of games involve economies, right? And and economies involve managing resources. Yeah. Yeah. And you allocating those resources wisely over a given time frame, and and the wiser you allocate the, your resources and uh, and and adjust to changing circumstances uh, throughout the game, the the better uh, result you're going to have. Yeah. And so that that plotting like pl um, um, manipulating abstract thoughts like that in your brain. Yeah. Um, make you. A better thinker. It yeah. sharpens your mind. It it it, uh, it works out that muscle, you know, yeah, the does. mental muscle, because yeah. it's hard. It's hard to hold those things in your head. Those abstract. I mean, you're having to, to keep count of things. Keep remember what right. has what value and what strategy you're using and all these different things. Um, think about what strategies other people are employing. Yeah. Think even even try to remember. Uh, 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 in some cases, like uh, cards that other people have drawn, yeah, or, or cards that they might have drawn Counting based cards. on the based on, yeah based on the number <laughs> of cards in the in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Do you? I mean, do you discourage card counting in your game? No, of course not. Would I mean, you throw that's, a person a, out off the table? Just yeah, for that, card that's one of the that's one of the uh, flaws flaws about Vegas. That's that's the thing I have against Vegas is uh, why should employing uh, mental prowess be considered cheating. Yeah. I mean, essentially, Vegas is rewarding people that can't think as well. Thanks for listening to today's Ground Belief Audio Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gadsden, and today's guest was Mark Swanson. I'll leave a link on my website uh, if you want to check out Mark's game. But thanks for listening today, and I'll post part two uh, in a couple days. Thanks. Thanks.